Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Fan Podcast. We're recapping Season 1, Episode 6, talking about what we still like and what we don't like anymore. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So Westworld's coming back soon. It's really all we've got going for the spring, I think, TV-wise. Yeah, there was like an amount of deduction that happened, and then the Super Bowl happened, and they played the commercial during the Super Bowl. I was shushing people during the commercial break just to be like, okay, uh, we're all here actually for the Westworld trailer, so if you could all shut your mouths, that'd be great. And it was pretty cool. Uh, The trailer was good. There were uh, a few things in the trailer that were like, okay, that's neat. Mostly, though, it was just kind of hyping you up uh, and letting you know that this thing's coming back in April for sure, which we all thought was going to happen. But now it's for sure going to happen, so we got to step up and start reviewing more of these episodes, James. Yeah, we're going to go fast. We're going to hit episode 10 before season 2. Don't even worry about that. I believe in us. In the 18 months that it's been since we had a season of Westworld, some of the actors are getting a little bit of work, especially on Netflix. If anybody saw the first episode of season four of Black Mirror, Jimmy Simpson was one of the main characters there. I would say my favorite character in that episode. Yeah, he was pretty funny. Charlotte Hale. Charlotte Hale was in Thor Ragnarok. And Ben Barnes is a main character in The Punisher, which was pretty okay. I haven't seen The Punisher, but I have seen pictures of Ben Barnes shooting it on Instagram, and it looks fun. So this is a pretty straightforward episode because Dolores and William are not in it, and so we're not jumping around between timelines, actually. Right. I listened back to when we talked about this episode the first time, and it was... It was like the first episode where we started off where like we weren't a hundred percent confused. We were just we understood what happened this episode. It was it 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 was all this happened because this happened. Therefore, this happened. There was no there was no just throwing something at a wall and then be, at getting to the end of it and being like, well, I guess I'll wait for a year and then understand that fully. Yeah, and that's what I kind of liked about it is that. When you're not trying to puzzle out this crazy mystery, you can just kind of appreciate the character moments and the acting. Which, on the second time around, where I am more up on Maeve than I was the first time, it was really nice. Because this is a heavy Maeve, heavy Bernard, heavy Ford episode. That's right. It starts out with the man in black and Teddy, but we don't actually get that much of them throughout the entire episode. So we might as well just shoot through their entire storyline basically they're still traveling on their way to the maze teddy tells this crazy story about the maze and how it's a test of character and in the middle is an immortal man who can speak to your mind so the man in black basically pulls out what teddy has or at least what teddy's speech is on what the maze is he basically he tells that he he tells it like it's a folk tale, and then he says there's trouble in Pariah, but he still really wants to find Dolores. That's his whole thing. Yeah, there's trouble in Pariah, and so the whole army is shut down the road and nobody can go through. Convenient. 
So they disguise themselves as Union soldiers, but it doesn't work because some of the other soldiers recognize Teddy from when him and Wyatt shot up Escalante, even though actually now we know it was him and Dolores. Right. It's so funny to see just the man in black and Teddy Flood walking around with just... They have a costume on, but I mean, they're not hiding their faces. So one guy walks by and just sees him. He's like, that's Teddy. Teddy, I see you, dude. I, I'm i holding you up with my gun. Hey, I see you, idiot. Why are you here? They get captured. We find out that Teddy's actually used to be a bad guy or whatever is supposed to have specifically happened with him and Wyatt. I don't really get where the Wyatt thing fits into Teddy's story. Like, Wyatt was a cult leader or something, and he convinced Teddy to go berserk on the town with him or something? Yeah, I think maybe it's just what they put in instead of him remembering that it was Dolores who did it. Like, if he he thinks back on what actually happened perhaps Dolores flashes through his head and then they're just like no let's just overwrite that one with some Wyatt here you go clean that off with some Wyatt and then the man in black actually gets punched in the face in this sequence which I found which I found very amusing I liked that very much and then they are about to brand the maze on Teddy Flood which would make me feel something if he wasn't a robot and then (laughs) and then they escape but right as they're escaping they're like and man in black is like i'm a normal human being who is pretty awful and like the evil person in this park according to me and according to ford but still though we should just go i still am william kind of on the inside you can see it in this moment where he's just like okay cool let's go and teddy flood's like yeah 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 good point also though they will follow us so let's chain gun them all down yeah, he's so mad at them for accusing him of being part of a massacre that he massacres them. You think you know someone is a direct quote from the man in black there. And that's all we get from them this episode. There is a lot of office drama going down underneath the park, though. Yeah, what does Michael Scott get up to? So Lee is sad and drunk. He took a sick leave after Ford insulted him. And he's just been drinking the whole time since episode two. Teresa tries to come to him and basically pull him into her fold. Right. He's She's basically saying, you know, pep up so that when I have to recommend to the board who replaces Ford, it can be you. That still doesn't make Lee very happy. He keeps kind of getting drunk. Next thing that kind of happens to him is he goes to the bar and he meets a uh, a woman who is a subjectively attractive person. But he and he's never seen her around before. She says she's been there a lot. Lee tries to hit on her. Uh, she kind of she asks and and wants to specify uh, knowing more about how the robots can go off script sometimes. And uh, and at that point is when he asks for another drink, and the bartender lets him know that Teresa has been cutting him off, and uh, is like, you know what, get get really just get back to work. So one of the things that everybody liked to do when Battlestar Galactica was on the air. Is be like, oh, that person's a Cylon. No, this person's a Cylon. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was like the main, that was like the main thing of the show, but yeah. I am so certain Charlotte Hale is a host. And I, you know, I'm not going to go and accuse every other character of being a host from now on, but I'm putting my, my chips down on Charlotte Hale's a host. Why? Just because everything that she does 
seems to serve the interest of Robert Ford, even though she's supposed to be there to, uh, to oppose him. I mean, I think it's an interesting question. Even more so than that, uh, my question is, is there someone on the show who is currently a robot? And we don't know that. Because if there is any more of them, and they started it off from the first season, I guess my second question is, how long do they wait to tell us? Is that is that do they go eight seasons and then they're like, by the way, like by by the way, uh, Ashley Stubbs host whole time. Yeah, didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, not to not to talk too much about Battlestar Galactica, but it did kind of get out of control by the end of the show. It's like, okay, well they're all robots. It's just robots killing robots. Well, what you didn't know in Battlestar Galactica was the robot uprising had already sort of occurred. The audience was not privy to that information, and you, by the end of it, you're like, "Oh, wait, this is this is already going very badly." In Westworld, we're on the opposite side of that, and we get to actually see the beginning of the terribleness. Teresa is still shaken from the encounter she had with Robert Ford, and now knowing what Robert Ford knows, she decides to break up with Bernard. And she only cites business reasons. She's like, this is a conflict of interest. It's in our contract. We're not supposed to be banging. So we're done. Yeah, she white fangs him, basically. She tells him that it just can't happen and you have to get out of here. And she shoots him away like a sad dog. He doesn't really seem that broken up about it because later on he's solving a Scooby-Doo mystery with Elsie. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the stray. So he's looking up all these rogue hosts and he happens upon robert ford's robot host family yeah he sees that there are like five unregistered hosts in one part of the park and they're all older hosts and nobody really knows anything about them and when he gets there it's a log cabin that has a uh, a, a host family that resembles ford's old family including ford when he was a young boy and including the young little Robert that is always kind of showing up and being like, hey, guys, what are you guys doing? I wear I'm a child and I wear a vest. They're the Wild West version of his family. Yeah, they all really like vests. Vests, yeah, that's to make them blend in, James. The vest really sells it. So they're not quite they're not quite perfect replications because Robert Ford didn't grow up in the Wild West. Well, they're also not perfect replications because Arnold didn't make them perfect. That's And after Arnold died, Ford has been changing them. Like, he actually says at some point, he's like, well, F- Arnold made kind of a an idealistic version of my family, and I added my father's alcoholism as an example because that was reality, and that's something I remember, and it was weird seeing him without it. Elsie tracks down where information's being transmitted out of the park. It's in some old broken down burlesque theater so she goes there to investigate she tries to call bernard who sends her to voicemail and then she gets grabbed from behind yeah it's a super scary movie it's like three separate scenes that every time it ends you think she's about to be taken but she doesn't it's very suspenseful that tiny little elsie is is trying her very best to crack this mystery and she basically just already gets it or she gets it uh, towards the end of the episode uh, and then she gets swept away and as we now know this is the last time we see her this season and we do not know if she is alive or dead yes and before Elsie gets taken away she is able to reach Bernard and tell him that it's Teresa who's been sending their copyrighted secrets 
out of the park via robot brain satellite transmission. And he gets that information while standing in front of Teresa, about to tell him all of the bad things that are happening. Basically about to, about to spill the beans of everything he knows about the things that she's... She already knows because she's the one who's doing them. So she, uh, Elsie tells Bernard that on the phone. Then <laughs> Teresa's like, what were you going to say? And Bernard's like, I, uh, I gotta go. I gotta go by. Also within this same storyline is uh, a little tiny scene where uh, young Robert Ford kills the dog. Like the, the robot family dog. Remember that? It's like this weird little scene that they don't like reference ever again. But well, yeah, towards the end of the episode, he finds little robot Ford has killed his little robot dog. And when he eventually takes him into the labs to interrogate him about it, he finds out basically that Arnold was in the kid's head and forced him to do it. Yeah, he lies. The kid lies to Ford off right off the bat, which is what Elsie points out to Bernard at some point in this episode. Like, uh, I, looking at this information, it looks like all of these robots can lie to us and hurt us, by the way. They can do both those things. That's not great. Well, we know now that anything that Bernard's finding out, actually Robert Ford is finding out. Right, it's like a microphone into Robert Ford's ear. But there are two separate factions, I think, trying for robot revolution. There's the Arnold Ghost in the Machine AI trying to free them with the Violent Delights Have Violent Ends virus or something. And then there's actual Robert Ford who's got his own machinations going. And we'll talk about this more when we get there in the season. But I think everything that Maeve does is part of Robert Ford's plan. And everything that happens to Dolores is part of Arnold's plan. Right. Do you think they know that they're happening simultaneously? Ford does. Arnold does not. He's not in on whatever Ford's doing. Well, obviously, Arnold's dead. But also, Ford... I'm talking about, like... The Ghost in the Shell, uh, Arnold? Here's the thing. Yeah. Elsie goes to that barn place, whatever, because she figures out that that's where the broadcast has been coming from. Someone's literally been talking into a microphone, or at least she thinks someone for real has been talking into a microphone and going to the brains of the host and telling them what to do, and they're doing it, and then they're going insane, you know, as they do. But Yeah, I think Ar- Arnold is, like, still a character... He's like Brainiac in Superman, and he's taken digital form. And actually, towards the end, I think it's either episode 9 or 10, when Ford has Bernard kill himself, we actually have Arnold speak directly to Ford. So he's still alive in the ether somewhere. Right. And at this point, though, that is not a possibility for Elsie. So she thinks it's a real person just kind of sitting in the barn talking. But that also begs the question, if it's not a real person, and Arnold for sure is just ghost in the shell, who is the person who just kidnapped Elsie? Yeah, and I wonder... Okay, so I know brothers aren't the same. You've got brothers, I've got brothers. We're not all the same, right? Yes. (laughs) But, but, but... Christopher Nolan... (laughs) Sometimes has has an issue of letting loose... Loose plot strands hang and not fully addressing them. And I wonder if his brother is going to 
keep the same habit going. I mean, I think the difference is sometimes in a movie, you only have two hours and you have to get rid of something and it has to make sense still. So you just leave some of your babies behind. I, I get that one a little bit more than if it would happen in the Westworld TV show because it's going to be a very popular TV show. I think the second season is going to do very well. And I think they'll try to get eight seasons out of this thing, just like they did Game of Thrones. So they have the time to understand and relay all of this to us. So they don't have an excuse. I don't think there's an excuse for us to like not get a full reason for what happened to Elsie and where she went. But also like... Like, is is Arnold for really in the shell? Is he for really? Is he sure? Is she in that shell? J.J. Abrams is attached to this show, so it's fair. He's fair game to bring it up. He is the master of blue-balling his audience and teasing them with resolutions that never happen and keeping them in the dark forever because he didn't actually write an answer. He wrote a mystery without an answer in a lot of J.J. Abrams' productions, and I hope that that doesn't end up being the case here. I mean, I feel like we're all just talking about Lost. We're just talking about Lost. I mean, I, if anyone else was on the Lost train, like I was, like a lot of people I knew were while I was in college, you were you were slamming towards the end of that thing and thinking to yourself, boy, oh boy, does all of this rest on the finale? And then you watched the finale, and for some people, it didn't ruin the whole series, and for some people, it did. So... It, it it's it, it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths and they think to themselves, you know, I hope this piece of entertainment that I'm sinking hours and hours into because I really enjoy it doesn't come back and punch me square in the face. So the rest of the episode, and I would say like the main point of this episode is up to Maeve and the text down in the basement. And that's I, that was the most enjoyable part of the episode to watch, I think. Super Maeve. She is on a like suicide bender where she keeps killing herself so she can wake up and visit Felix. So she's antagonizing angry newcomers to murder her. And she's doing it all with her her newfound uh, intelligence, her newfound like cocktail of attributes that were given to her by uh, two separate two separate uh, lab technicians in two separate times. I think it was episode four. Uh, put her stuff up and then don't put it back down. Which is like so she's already pretty super and she's doing her thing. She wakes up in the morning with her eyes like she opens her eyes like Dolores was for the first four episodes when we were, were watching Dolores go bad. And then Maeve now does that. And we're like, okay, well, she, she's kind of playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. So she's talking to Felix. He's telling her how it is. She doesn't believe him. He proves it to her by showing her a live feed of what she's about to say the instant before she says it, which causes her to glitch out. Really messes her up. I mean, if you saw that, if you saw that for you, it would mess you. You would be, you would probably glitch out and, and blue screen to death as well. But when she wakes up, she demands to go see the upper parts of Westworld. And this scene is so great the tour they're taking around the upper floors where there are newcomers coming in and you see all of the you see the laboratories where they're building all of the hosts and the animals and you go up to see where the newcomers are coming in 
it's really beautiful soundtrack is playing in the background and tandy newton just destroys this scene with her acting she doesn't even have lines so this is i think in retrospect one of the standout scenes of the episode and the season especially while i'm back on my mave train of actually liking her so she wants to see the upstairs and she starts seeing everything like you said my first thing i wrote down was and the revolution begins felix as he's doing it literally says like this is so stupid she sees she sees everything including the commercial which freaks her out a lot when she sees clementine finney feather best name and she's like whoa 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 that's my friend and she's in a commercial and she doesn't even know it and that freaks her out like a lot but she doesn't even know how freaked out she can be because the next thing that happens is the dream that she has of her and her daughter is in the commercial and it really messes her up yeah, at first she asked how they could get her dream on the moving pictures, and he's like, oh, no, no, that's that's actually you. You did all that. It's just in a previous build that you can't remember. One where you were probably happier than you are now. And wouldn't it be awesome if she was like, oh, cool. I get it. No, 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 yeah, I get it. But she, no, she doesn't. She's like, a previous build? That's what, how you're going to explain this to me? I hate you. And, uh, you know, then they go back downstairs. Sylvester shows up, and Maeve attacks him. And then immediately, so this is great. he blackmails both of them. He's got Maeve dressed up really pretty. <laughs> and and Sylvester comes in, and, and the dig that he throws at him is, what, is it some kind of hentai thing? And I love that line. <laughs> yeah. Because not a large group of human beings are going to know exactly what that means. But the ones who do really gain a lot from it. And then he stands there, and then, you know, almost gets scalpeled. Because Maeve literally tries to gut him. And and let him know that this is a very this is very serious business. Yeah, and I kind of noticed that the actor that plays Sylvester is really good, especially in this scene. He's like, you, you can't hurt me, you, you you can't hurt anybody. And then she cuts him a little bit. It was and, really good. Yeah, and he's like, okay, I was mistaken. So at that point, she blackmails Sylvester basically, and forces him to open up her code. And just before they're about to upgrade her and make her a genius and super mave, they're like, oh shit, somebody else has been messing with her. Somebody with way higher clearance than us. And are they talking about Elsie? Or are they talking about perhaps Robert Ford? Or Arnold. Like the ghost in the shell Arnold. Which, right, you said in your in your estimation where she where Ford is, is using her as a pawn in his plan, it could have definitely been her... Maybe it changed because she got the uh, the phrase said to her. Perhaps that changes her attributes, and that's the higher clearance that, and that's it's just Arnold, but it's it's clicked off by the by the phrase. You know, we we really don't really we don't know at the end of season one exactly who did that, but it doesn't really matter because they shoot everything up to a thousand here. There are a lot of people analyzing the trailer for season two, but I watched it and. I don't think it really gives anything away. I'll be I I I watched the only time I watched it was when it was actually playing during the Super Bowl and I was trying to gain something from it. But I also think I uh, like I'm not going to go watch the trailer breakdown on the subreddit this time because it like it actually did ruin one or two things for me when I went into it the first time. 
And I'm going to try to be a bit more careful this season not to ruin everything for me before I see it. Oh, I just one more point on the on the uh, on the actual episode before we leave it uh, that I want to point out. Lee peed on the map this episode. He peed all over it. And then he was like, hey, this is Charlotte Hale. And he zips up. He literally has to put his junk away and be like, zip. Hey, Charlotte. Yeah, Teresa must be really desperate to wrestle control away for Robert Ford if she's going to leave Leon's staff after that outbreak. Yeah, after he, and then Ashley Stubbs is like giving an order and then just looks up and is is sad at his job while watching Lee just pee. And Charlotte Hale stands there like, this is what I'm going to be working with. I might be a robot, according to James. Right, but she, she's so... Uh... She's so unperturbed. She's like, oh, were you peeing on the map? Good to meet you. Nice to see you again. Honestly, it makes me like you more. Did you see that part in this episode where Bernie is going through the list of all the first generation uh, the first generation robots and it like scrolls through them really quick? Like in a way where if you if you wanted to stop it and be really creepy and just see all of them, you could. I didn't do that. Although Dolores is on the list when he's scrolling. It felt like he was just kind of scrolling through the list of who the generals of the robot army were about to be. You know, you know, for Judgment Day. I wonder if Teddy's on that list or not, because you and I have argued in the past over whether or not Teddy exists in the past. Right, yeah, because I don't think he does, because I think he is exactly... He was written after William leaves, I believe. I, I think, and I think this is something we'll see in the future episode, in a future season. But I think he's like a William placeholder, because he picks up the can just like William does. Um, but yeah, 47 out of 82 first-generation hosts were made by Arnold. Bernie looks that up, and so, so over half... Of the first generation hosts were made by Arnold. What was Ford doing? There's a hilarious YouTuber, Preston Jacobs, who is analyzing the first season right now. And he can't get over how Dolores works on a dairy farm, but she goes to town every day to buy a can of milk. It's just bad writing. It's not bad writing for the show. It's like bad writing by Robert Ford. Like, like actually, think through your character... Robert Ford, but in a real way, he's just like, yeah, no, I, I got to get her to leave just in case somebody wants to do something awful to her. Yeah, I don't think anyone cares, and I don't think a lot of newcomers would even remark on like, oh yeah, the girl whose milk I picked up, she works on a dairy farm. Eh, that's kind of weird. That she would <laughs> what an what an idiot! Only buying milk. I don't even want to shoot her boyfriend and have non-consensual sex with her anymore. I'm over it because of the farm thing. This is also an episode where we got to see uh, Robert Ford's office again. It is so cool. He is the coolest office. I want Robert Ford's office real bad. It's that scene where he's going through the journal and he sees like a picture of Dolores. It looks like an Arnold's old journal with a picture of Dolores on one page and like uh, and maybe not Dolores. You know, uh, it's what is it? It's said that Dolores like looks like Arnold's wife who died maybe is that what we maybe thought there yeah and it's weird that ford is going through bernard's shit because it's like well don't you know everything <laughs> that bernard is doing aren't yeah. you in his brain yeah but i mean i think that maybe it's you know it's arnold old stuff from 30 years ago that he hasn't looked at in quite a while and now that his genocide plan is coming to fruition it's time to go back and and reminisce about the old times about dolores slash maybe arnold's wife on one page and the maze on the next a metaphor 
Hi, well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you're just listening, that's great. We really appreciate that. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter or follow us on SoundCloud. And if you're really dedicated, you can leave us an iTunes review, which will help other people find the show. Join us here next week, I swear to God, next week, for episode 7 entitled... Trompe-Lolay. Remember that one? <laughs> Trompe-Lolay. Donald Trompe-Lolay. Dolores and William journey into a dangerous terrain. Maeve delivers an ultimatum, and Bernard considers his next move. Next time on That's the Dragon Ball Z music. Judgment Day! I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.